Hey guys, and welcome back to One Candle Society for another Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your hosts, Vic Waitley and Marcus D. And for this episode, we want to give a big shout out to Ari Konovitz for giving us a great idea for a podcast episode today. Yeah, she actually suggested something that just last week I was looking into, and before that I hadn't heard of it. So I'm like, that's enough of a synchronicity for us to turn this oh, into yeah, a video. Def- yeah, we definitely want to... We always, first off, love getting fan suggestions for stuff and being able to delve into something that maybe we haven't heard of is always just, it's super fun to do and it gives us a whole bunch of just new things to talk about on the podcast. So you hear that, guys? You post something in the comments below you want us to hear about, there's a really good chance we're going to do it. Now, I know normally in our episodes we go over the comments from the previous episode that we covered. Unfortunately... As of this episode right now, when it's going live, I will be driving back uh, from vacation. So unfortunately, we don't have the comments uh, yet uh, from our last episode when we were talking about the Orang Medan. So we're going to be covering the comments from that episode as well as the comments from this episode in our next video. Also, guys, we're coming up on the end of June. So we are still in need of names for our fan base. If you guys have been listening, we've been collecting names for our fan base throughout the month of June in order to compile our favorites into a poll for you guys to vote on what the name of our fan base is going to be. So this is a great, fantastic opportunity for you guys to get some last minute suggestions and for ideas for the name for our fan base. Do we want to do we want to announce some of our tops in the next episode, or do we want to give yeah, another episode after that? Let's announce some of our, our top runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely in this episode, if you haven't already given us a suggestion for our fan names, make sure that it gets in the comments below, so that way your idea might become our actual fan name suggestion. Okay, so... So today we're talking yes. about creeping crustaceans. Absolutely. So Ari posed a fantastic... Uh, idea for a podcast coming back to a monster. She proposed that we do the Bremerton monstrosity. So before she recommended this, had you actually heard of this? I had not heard of this one, which is surprising seeing as how, how much I know that you love crustaceans and you love talking about cryptids. So well, the thing is, I didn't know about this one until like about a week before the suggestion was made. <laughs> like I had just simply recently come across this story like, and. When, when she suggested the uh, the name of it, I actually didn't recognize it offhand. I had to do a little bit of digging to be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I was just looking into this. Yeah, like, I don't think you guys truly understand how much of a nerd for biology, but I don't just biology, but like crustaceans and things like that, that Vic is. Oh, crustaceans and amphibians. I love the hell out of those guys. Now, you know, when researching this episode and researching this topic in general, most people would think that there's not a whole lot to talk about when you're talking about some sort of the uh, crustacean uh, cryptid. However, that is not true. We have a lot that we can talk about in this today. Yeah, and crustacean biology is really, really neat and a little complicated. So <laughs> there's, there's going to be some interesting stuff for us to talk about there as well. But 
I think that's enough teasing. Yes. Let's, let's talk about the story. Let's get into the story. Okay, so our story takes place in 1948 in Bremerton, Washington. Now, Bremerton, Washington, at the time of this story, has about a population of about 80,000. Because sitting in the city is also essentially a naval base where they worked on ships. So, in this town, there's a woman named Virginia Staples. Now, Miss Virginia lives in an apartment complex, like a lot of people do, like, in this time. And in her apartment complex, um, the, the laundry services for a lot of these things are in the basement. So, many of the apartment uh, buildings all have these basements that are underground that people go down into to wash their clothes. And not only wash their clothes, but also do ads and all sorts of other things that they do for their laundry but apparently the apartment complexes around here are not that great and many of them have openings that have saltwater pools that apparently interconnect and eventually lead out to the ocean well anybody who lives on the beach or lives anywhere near there that deals with salt water coming up to your house knows how damaging and how eroding salt water can be I mean, that sounds terrible when it's around your foundation. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not uncommon for a lot of places on the beach or on there to to deal with erosion problems. But uh, Virginia has to deal with some serious erosion problems because apparently there's such the the buildings are in such bad shape. The underground parts, many of the walls all have holes in them, so people can literally look into like adjoining basements down in there and apparently it was commonplace for many of these basements to all have just puddles and standing salt water which i think would make it anybody difficult to do whenever they're trying to do the laundry so one day virginia goes down to do her laundry and wash her clothes and while she's down there things start kind of going kind of sideways she starts getting this feeling like she's being watched like something is spying on her and she gets this weird tingling sensation going down the back of her spine. Like I think anybody that's ever uh, had somebody watching them or felt like they were being stalked knows this particular feeling. So while she's down there, she's putting on clothes, she turns around and she turns around and looks through a hole that's in one of the adjoining walls and through a couple of these holes, she sees this freaky, horrifying monster. She described it as being about five feet tall, almost as tall as her, orange with these spider-like legs with these antennae that pop in and out of it. So obviously Virginia freaks out and she loses her mind as the thing almost starts coming towards her. She loses her mind. She runs back upstairs. She has absolutely like no idea what this thing is. She loses her mind. She gets freaked out so much by seeing this creature that she just packs up her stuff and just heads to Seattle to stay with her cousin. She's like, I am not passing go. I'm not collecting $200. I'm just getting the hell out of Dodge. And when she leaves, like this thing traumatizes her after seeing this thing. She reports having nightmares for years after seeing this thing. And she, she never quite was able to fully figure out what this thing was. She later calls into... Uh, this paranormal investigator, Mark Travinsky. And if you've never heard of him, he's the founder of Strange Magazine, which is a fantastic paranormal magazine that you guys should check out if you guys have never heard this. But she calls into uh, she calls into Mark's um, 
and she calls into him and she starts telling the story about what happened to her. And she says that although she was having nightmares for years about seeing this monster, she she had to know what was it, you know? She had to be able to try to like piece together what, what was it that she saw that day. And what she told him was that for years she tried to figure out what it was and she even tried to go to aquariums to try to figure out like if she could figure out like see maybe was it something that was just came up from the ocean that other people knew what it was try to figure out what it was but the only thing that she said that even resembled what she saw that day were these little tiny shrimps that were in some of the aquarium tanks and other than that she never was able to fully figure out what this thing was she later goes back in life back to her apartment complex that she was there but she comes to find out later in life when she goes out there uh the building was torn down obviously this uh you know landlord had no intention of fixing this place up and eventually as of today um the the government annexed it and it's part of the naval base now so it's not even a standing apartment building that you guys can go check out anymore but to this day she was never able to figure out what it was and we're just left with this mystery of what was the Bremerton monstrosity Okay, where do we want to start on it? Okay, um, let's talk about how difficult would it be for there to be a five-foot crustacean walking around, like, outside of the water. Because she, she said that, you know, it wasn't, I don't, from what she's describing, like, in her tale, I don't think this water could have been any more than knee I think of any like ankle eye because if anything was higher than that it probably would have been part of the story like is it would it be difficult well, for I, thought, the I thought these were pools of water coming up like out of like an underground system where this thing could have traveled in it could have oh that's right that was one part of the story that yeah. I did forget because the, uh, her landlord and 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 other people that were in the building had speculated that there were rumors that it was there were these underwater passages that led out to the ocean which I would I would believe um you know, most buildings on coast or near or or near that much water have some sort of a drainage system. So I would believe that there probably would be something leading to the ocean. So I guess the first thing we're tackling is an issue of size. Yeah, could could something like a shrimp or something be that big? Because I have a hard time believing a shrimp could walk around on land that's five feet tall. Okay, we we got two separate issues that hit them one at a time. Just okay. so you guys know. Um, like Marcus said, I really like crustaceans. I've actually raised shrimp before. Um, the species were cardenias and neocardenias, like anyone. If anyone out there is a shrimp person, they'll know what I'm talking about. Nerd. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a... Nerd. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not just a crustacean nerd. I'm like specifically a shrimp nerd. I think they're super cool. But okay, first... Can it be that big? The big limiting factor is, um, like, the reason you don't see massive crustaceans is that uh, musculature over a skeletal frame supports body weight better than an exoskeleton does. That's why you don't see crustaceans the size of things like whales. But if we're talking about something about five feet tall, well, there have been crustaceans in the fossil record easily that big, even bigger. Uh, I think that it is a viable possibility for this to biologically exist. Particularly with the shrimp sort of uh, body structure, it has decent support for its lower body. Um, as far as can it come out on land, 
The answer is kind of. Most shrimp can come out of water for a limited period of time. Uh, many shrimp in the wild do this to um, escape tide pools. So like if they get stuck in a tide pool when the uh, water flows back out into the ocean, when the oxygen starts to run low, they can actually come out for a little bit and try to get like to another one that might have more oxygen or just simply back out to the ocean. Um, I know that my uh, neocardinias before, I've seen them come out and like hang from the filter or I usually keep like a small bag of charcoal in there to help keep ammonia levels down. I've seen them hang, like kind of come out and crawl a little ways up on it and then just go back in. They can't do it for long periods of time though, and there is a key factor. The area must be humid. So if we're talking about a basement with exposed water lying around where it's gonna be very humid, I think that we're talking about something that is legitimately possible. Like, when you listen to her story, she doesn't say this thing, like, rushes at her, tries to grab her or anything. It just sort of just moves towards her, which does make sense for a shrimp that's just kind of hanging out there and just maybe moving slightly. Oh, yeah. I don't think it would have the locomotion to chase something. I do believe that it could hold its body up, and I believe it could move, but it's not, it's not optimized for travel above the water. Like, I know I'm not... Uh, I know I probably, if I was here in that moment, I probably would freak out, but I'm just sitting here thinking, oh man, I would love to deep fry a five foot shrimp. Well, let's look at a, a terrestrial crustacean that is large. Oh no. Yeah. I will. Oh wait. Okay. You go do the terrestrial crustacean. I have a total theory about what I think this thing is, but go ahead. Okay. Are you familiar with coconut crabs? Yes, I have eaten quite a few. You've eaten co coconut wait, crab? I have, wait. No, that you're thinking of crab with coconut. Okay, maybe I am thinking of crab no, with coconut. No, co coconut crabs, first, guys, these things are freaking crazy. Go look up a picture. If you're not familiar with them, pull up one on your phone, like, as I'm talking. We're going to have so many photos of crabs and things on, and shrimp on our show notes. That's okay. I, there's nothing better to use it for. <laughs> I love pictures of them. Okay, coconut crabs are very, very big. <laughs> like, these things can hang off trash cans. They can kill large birds. They are a big crab. Holy Crap! <laughs> yeah, they, they are big and they can be kind of scary. They can eat cats and stuff like that. It looks like a facehugger from Alien! <laughs> These things um, are fairly well suited for their environment. Um, but the thing is, even though they're designed to move around on land, they're not super great at They're more of a climber than they are like something that's going to chase you down. They Dude. have to rely on their... Hell yeah, he's looking at some of the picture of how big Dude, they are. This one is literally on a trash can that sits outside. It is bigger than the trash can. It is touching the ground and reaching the top of the trash can lid. I'm surprised you didn't know about these. Jesus! It's technically not a crab. It's a form of squat lobster, if I recall correctly. But they can move fairly well, but they can't move super fast. So I would say we're probably talking locomotion along those lines. It's only an okay body shape and this is in a much closer vein to a shrimp than it is to like a actual crab it's being that they're a, they're called a squat crab but it's really more of a lobster that looks crab like but they're closer related to like say shrimp. with it being orange does that pose it being a problem for being a shrimp aren't my shrimp I, like translucent or something I, like I've that i've heard a lot of people say no shrimp aren't orange they they just kind of turn that color when you cook them and that's true about certain species of shrimp, but definitely is not true altogether. Shrimp come in a ton, ton different colors. 
Um, like, uh, look up a picture of a Sulawesi shrimp, and they are freaking crazily colored. I can't even Beyond spell that, that um, <laughs> I think the word's Indian in origin, but um, like they can be many, many different bright colors. They can be orange. That's not an uncommon pigmentation for them. And even if they were, crustaceans are very prone to color mutations. Um, like, lobsters can be bright, like, freaking sapphire blue at times. That That's just because of a pigment mutation. Some lobsters get a mutation where they're one color on one side and a different color on the other, almost like you bisected them and painted each side. They have very weird color mutations. So I don't think the color is something that's going to rule the situation out. They have the biological ability to be freaking bright orange if that's what they are. I found a chart of shrimp. I did not find Sulawesi because I cannot spell that. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. Just realize they're brightly colored shrimp and they can come in a lot of colors. But from, from this chart, I can tell that they come in lots of different types of colors of browns, reds, and oranges. And oh, that's like that. that's pretty muted. Um, do you remember those um, those bright red shrimp I had I remember when I had them in my tank? Are those the ones your guppies were trying to eat all the time? Yes, those are the ones my guppies were trying to eat all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, they can come in a variety of colors. They can be transparent. They can be opaque. They can be all sorts of things. So I don't think the color or the size necessarily rules this thing out. Now, it would be somewhat unique. Crustaceans usually are not that big. And when crustaceans are big, they're usually farther from the surface. The coconut crab is a bit of a oddity when it comes down to it for being a large crustacean near the surface of the water, or uh, actually up on the water in its case. Uh, there's something called um, deep sea crustacean gigantism, where kind of like, you know how I've talked about before on islands, how it can cause animals to become much larger and much smaller because of the limited biome. There's a similar effect to that where deep sea crustaceans tend to get really, really big, like much bigger than they normally do. Like um, woodlouse, which is a sort of crustacean, think like saying that it almost looks like a roly-poly bug. They're normally about uh, half the size of your thumbnail. But when you get to some of the deep sea ones, they're more like the size of a dinner plate. Yeah, but for many of those deep sea crustaceans that live that far down, don't they get dependent on the pressure for them to be able to, like, survive down that deep? They do, but many of them can... There's a lot more leeway when you have an exoskeleton than when you don't. Um, it's harder to pop so they're they're a little they have a little more leeway but still they're they're not going to thrive that well but i've seen woodlouse brought to the surface before and then be alive mm. now it's probably not a super healthy way for them to live but they will survive on the surface and some of the larger species have been kind of working their way up i know like uh there are biologists who've had issues with them, like getting on their um, camera equipment and chewing through the uh, <laughs> the wires, <laughs> and like they're like, "What what the heck happened to this wire?" And they look into it and they start pulling out their equipment. And there's like these huge wood louse on them, just kind of chewing out their stuff. Can I tell how much that would suck if you were just some sort of deep sea researcher, and you've got to worry about like giant crustaceans and shrimps that might be eating your stuff? Man, if you want to talk about something scary. These things have been adapting in some weird ways where there are species now that uh, will try to settle in the mouths of fish and start eating out their inside in their mouth and just live in that fish's mouth till it dies. So, like, there's these zombie carcasses of fish swimming around with, with like, crustaceans inside of it? Oh, they wouldn't be zombies, but yeah, kind of. Ooh. Yeah, they, they're... <sighs> 
one of the things I cannot stress enough for a ancient species like crustaceans, and they are old, old, old. <laughs> They can come in a huge variety of biological adaptations. Uh, they are a very versatile species. They're very kind of unique. They fill a lot of unique niches. And there were times where, like, giant crustaceans more or less ruled the waters. Like, it's a very viable strategy over a huge period of time. Now, often when you're dealing with many cryptids, you get the skeptic argument of, you know, the where's the body argument that you get all the same, you know, all the time. Where's the body? If it was a real creature, we would have a body by now. But when you're dealing with, like, the ocean and deep sea stuff, that argument gets harder to stand on. Because, again, if you've ever listened to any of our stuff or we've talked about deep sea cryptids or deep sea phenomenon or anything like that, again, it always comes up how much we know more about space and what space looks like than we know about some of the deep uh, recesses of the ocean. Man, we don't have bodies for animals we know are real. <laughs> like, we know they're down there. We know they're, they're, they're a thing, but we just, we don't get a good photo of them. Like, pretty much every time you send a submersible or a manned program deep enough, they come back with a dozen new species that no one's ever seen before. And very little information about them because you, can't, you usually can't stay down there all that long and you can't gather all that much information. It's just a such an inhospitable environment. Yeah, and because of that, uh, the further deep down you get with much of the marine life, um, beauty and aesthetics stop becoming important and they just look horrifying. Screw you, shrimp are adorable no matter where they are. Dude, there are some freaky looking things when you look at like deep sea creatures, man. And crustaceans do dominate a lot of the biosphere down there. Their strategy of being tough and walking on the bottom and eating all the stuff that falls on them from the top, when you have that much top on you, <laughs> there is lots of stuff to eat Like, off of. I think living, like, for creatures that live, like, deep in the sea, they have the same, the same mentality as people in prison. I need to look as scary and as tough as possible in order for things not to mess with me. Okay, Marcus, I know you have a special theory on this one. I don't think it's a special theory. I think this is just what she saw. I don't okay. You've been excited about this I, one. Well, I have been excited because, again, okay, so when you listen to what she says, the thing looks like, okay, it's five, -ish, five feet tall, it's orange, it's got spider-like legs. Um, if you just type that into a Google search engine, you get something that looks exactly like what she's talking about. You get the Japanese spider crab. You ever seen things like that? They're huge and they look like monsters. Okay. I remember, I remember uh, seeing one for the first time when I went to, was it Gatlinburg? I want to say it was Gatlinburg uh, in their aquarium that they have down there and they have them there. And those things look freaky as hell. They are very odd looking. They can get quite big. Yeah, they can get huge. They can they can be like ten feet tall. I mean, they're monsters of a they're monsters of a creature. And although they do live in that ocean, isn't that pretty well outside the range though? Well, yeah, they live like Japanese Japanese spider crabs live like off the southern coast of Japan, near Taiwan. So you're probably not going to be seeing them in the Pacific Northwest, like off the coast up there. Like I get that. But also, keep in mind where we're at. We're at a naval base, okay? Where tons of different ships that travel all over the South Pacific um, end up where they're working on. It very well easily could have gotten attached to a ship. It could have gotten on something. could have gotten caught. And it's scurrying around or something like that. And that's how it got inside her base. Now, I don't think this dismisses her story at all. 
Because if I went into my basement and I saw a Japanese spider crab looking at me, I'd move. If I thought they were the, for, the, for the faintest moment that I would go back down into my basement and saw a six-foot crustacean, which, by the way, their pincers can take off human hands, yeah, I'd move and not go back. I'm not so convinced that this is the culprit. I mean, yeah, it does fit in certain ways, but I don't think it fits her description that well. The, the only thing that it really... It doesn't fit super well to her thing is the antennas. Like, yeah, because they don't have like these big protruding antennae. Um, and when she says it, they're moving in and out, I really think that she's talking about the feeding appendages that exist around yeah, the mouth. Yeah. Um, but they don't have these big antennae. And also, I really think if it was a spider crab, she would describe the legs much more and say it had this super tiny body. Because proportionally, their bodies are very small. They're all freaking they, legs. Yeah, they, they are all legs. Like, I really think that would have come across more in the description. And I and I guess there's a chance that maybe she didn't see the claws on it because she never did describe claws. And if you see a cryptid with claws, you describe the claws. Oh, by the way, I want to put up a photo of that as well. That way you guys can kind of make the determination for you guys what you guys think that she may have seen. Because I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to get off this theory. Okay. my and It is a pretty good theory. I'll give you that. I just don't think it quite fits. Okay, here's some of the things. She, when she went to the aquarium and started looking around, yeah, they probably didn't have one of those there to, as a comparison, but she did say it was very close to a shrimp. So that makes me think it's something with that unique shrimp head. Yeah, the head of a Japanese spider crab is somewhat similar, but it's fairly different. And the bodies are entirely different. Where the legs are set up are entirely different. And my big thing is, to say that it looked like a shrimp... Shrimp have kind of distinct um, antennae, and they're not at all like a spider crab's. I mean, maybe she just didn't get a good of as good of a look as she thinks, but I think that we're talking about something else. But I think we we're talking about something that has a very similar sort of body design. Absolutely. But again, if I saw one of those things, I'm not going back down to my basement if I thought that that thing was going to be down there again. I really lean much more towards that. It is something that looks more like a shrimp. Something with their traditional shad or saddle, upturned head, things like that. Um, but likely one that's adapted to a much, much larger size. Because we know that large crustaceans are viable now. We, we can point to examples of them. We know that they have been viable in the past. We know that they have all the tools in their toolbox to get big. And with like... And with deep-sea crustacean gigantism, I don't see any reason why there could not be a species like this. Now, how did it end up there? Probably kind of like the example with the spider crab, but with a shrimp, it's far more likely for them to just attach to something and travel a long distance. That's more in tone, in tune with their behavior. And why would it be in there? It's probably just feeding off the algae as it's working its way along. Um, many shrimp are grazers and will just kind of comb through an area it wouldn't surprise me at all if they found a tunnel leading inland and went "Ooh, a piece of algae move a few <laughs> steps "Ooh, a piece of algae and next thing you know you're in someone's basement being like how the heck did i get here where's the sun what's going on now i also really wonder if whenever she freaked out and probably screamed and took off if she scared it too because if you you know look back at that time there's no other reports of seeing this thing <laughs> so it probably it probably took off but how, the thing is, like, <clears throat> how, how do you not 
know how that creature gets into your basement. Well, and if it was coming in through that uh, that underwater system, because as as I understand, it, they believe that there was like kind of this lattice work of connecting underwater tunnels, and that there was just salt water kind of flowing in and out of there. It could have been something that got caught up with the tide and accidentally got forced in there and got confused on how to get out and was probably looking for a route back to sea. I don't think this thing wanted to be there any more than she wanted it to be there. I mean, it it's not an area where it's going to, like... It, 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 a, a basement is not its opportune habitat. It's probably gotten lost or gotten trapped and is probably just looking for a way to get back out to the ocean. I, I don't... I don't think that this was a predator that had her in any danger. I could understand how this thing's going to be scary as hell to look at. But with either it being a um, giant Japanese uh, spider crab or it being some unknown species of crustacean, odds are either way it doesn't have any interest in, in bothering a human. Like, neither of those have any real motive to mess with a human. I could just see it now going back to your, like, ooh, a piece of algae. Ooh, a piece of algae. She's doing laundry. It probably gets to, like, one of her green shirts and goes, this is an algae. <laughs> it just just takes off and just leaves. I mean, for the most part, most crustaceans are looking for things like algae, things like dead things. They're, they don't generally chase down their prey. I mean, there's some exceptions where they're ambush predators. And, of course, if this thing's related to a pistol shrimp, man, you just stay away from it. I, if it was a pistol shrimp, sure, she was probably in danger because those things will kill anything they can get a hold of. <laughs> They punch literally so fast, they ignite the molecules in the water, causing a flash and a shockwave. Those things are nuts. Yeah, she probably didn't run into one of those. Yeah, she probably would have been dead. It would have punched her and she would have died. She probably ran into one of, like, the crabs from Finding Nemo, and it's like, hey, hey, like, just because it's in her space, because it's in its space. And I guess if it was a type of crab, not like a type of shrimp, they can be fairly territorial. And then, maybe, but just watching, like, shrimp behavior, the only time I ever saw any of my shrimp become hostile is when a guppy would swim too close to their herd, and then they'd all just stand in a line and poke at it with their antennae until it just decided to swim away. Like, and perhaps to our listeners, by the way, that listen, that listen to us from the coast, because there's absolutely no way that I could live on the coast and see these kinds of creatures like in and around my house and not just lose it like here here down in evansville like down in the midwest like we have our own just bizarre cryptids like you know giant mutant catfish some cephalopods and octopus and stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later i could not handle running into giant alien looking crustaceans what the hell are you talking about i would love this i would be all about this i would be out there every weekend looking for these damn things I would love to go hunt for a giant monster crustacean. I'm going back to that photo you showed me of that crab and that thing looking like something like straight out of Alien vs. Predator. Or, I, or I'd love to live in a place that had like coconut crabs or oh in, on one of the places where there's the crab march where all the crabs march from the sea and all the way across the island each year. That sounds cool. I would love that. Um, but my, my point is more along the lines of... When it comes to crustaceans, you can see a huge amount of diversity in them. They're a very odd sort of species, and they handle things in very peculiar ways. I do not think that it is entirely inviolable for this thing to be a legitimate biological creature. I think we've established that, it, although we don't have a creature on record that exactly fits this, I think it's a design that would work biologically. 
Now, do you think that it was a crab, a shrimp, or you just said on your Japanese spider crab theory? If it's if it's not a Japanese spider crab, it, it had to have been something that she did not recognize. Again, I think you, when you live in a particular area, you kind of get used to kind of some of the weird creatures and stuff that you're used to. I mean, it's like people that live like, you know, deep in the woods that they're going to see a cougar. It's not going to freak them out because they know that they're there. People that live on the on the coasts know that these kind of crustaceans live out there. It doesn't freak them out. When we hear weird mutant catfish stories, we're not super freaked out. We still go down by the Ohio River. It doesn't freak any of us out. Now, you know, if... You know, Miss Staples is talking about seeing something that terrified her so much that she picked up left and left and went to another city. She's probably seeing something she is just not accustomed to seeing. And keep on, she probably is also telling the story to other people that live on the coast. And nothing that other people probably told her satisfied her to what she saw. And she still had that drive of going and looking out and trying to find out what this thing was. So... She had to have seen something so alien that it just kept that drive in her mind. I tried to dig through the lore to see if I found something that quite fit this pretty well, and I simply came up dry. I came up with things that were much bigger than it, like there are these uh, mythological sandwalkers mm -hmm. where they're like crabs the size of freaking houses, which is obviously bigger than what we're talking about. The closest thing I found was something from Japanese folklore called uh, Heiki Crabs, and I might be missing that, but a lot of the information I found on it um, was in Japanese, and I don't have access to the one person I know that could translate this for me right now. So I, I didn't, I wasn't able to dig too much into it, but it did seem like that was, it didn't seem to quite fit the description. Like the old, uh, I think they were Edo period drawings of them didn't quite look right for this these looked way more traditional like if you go to uh red lobster and order a crab what you would get <laughs> except for bigger which truthfully did not seem to be what she's describing i don't think she's describing something in the crab family maybe something in the squat lobster family would make sense but i don't think it was something in the crab family but i think that we can both definitely agree that it was some sort of fauna that was not accustomed to the area yeah i think it's something that was Alien in the sense that it was not local. And I think this was definitely a biological organism. I don't think we're dealing oh, yeah. with like a bat squad situation where we're going, I don't think this is a biological organism. This is more like a demon or a gargoyle. No, it's feasible that something could actually exist that looks like what she's talking about. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Now, there is, there is a kind of a problem. Deep sea gigantism usually occurs in deeper areas. And this thing's brightly colored, and I know that the uh, Japanese spider crab does live in deeper areas and is brightly colored, but that's kind of an anomaly. Yeah, I think they're about 1,500 to 2,000 feet down, Most... if I want to say. I mean, funny, dude, and even, like, again, they, and whenever they come up to shallow areas, they only come up to about 150 feet down. So they don't really come anywhere close to shoreline for any good reason. Well, that brings up a question. Like, if it is one of those, why the heck is it like no, moving uh, closer to shore? Oh no, I go back to like you know again. It's a it's a naval dockyard, like a shipyard and stuff like that. It probably got drawn up. It probably got picked up and and brought out there. Could have been off a boat. Somebody found could could somebody just released it into the area, and it's just looking for food. I know they come into shallower waters for breeding. Do you know how shallow? One hundred fifty feet. 
Oh, so it's still pretty Yeah, it's still pretty deep. (laughs) Okay, I think we've about talked this one out for this episode, guys. Do you have any more thoughts on it? No, man, I don't have anything else on this. I I think this was a fantastic suggestion. I think this definitely was a really cool cryptid to talk about. Apologies for subjecting you guys to so much shrimp talk. But I really like talking shrimp, and I think it was valid for this one. Well, you gotta bring this stuff up when you're talking about these kind of cryptids. You know, when you're talking, when you're discussing cryptids and things like that, could it be biological, biologically feasible? It's just a conversation that I just don't hear a lot when other people are talking about these kinds of cryptids. They say, "Oh, it's cool, it's fantastic, this seems to be this seems to be fantastic," but nobody talks enough about. Could it be biologically feasible? And when we're talking about the 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 Bremerton monstrosity, it very well easily could be something that's biologically feasible. Actually, I've got a silver bullet for you. Are there werewolves? No, like oh, what would be the silver bullet for hi-yo. these things? Sorry, okay, go ahead. No, uh, copper. Okay. Most crustaceans do not deal with copper well, and it can cause like a lot of biological problems for them. Like, I just know that because a lot of fish medicine is based in copper, mm-hmm. and you cannot use that on uh, shrimp because it will just kill them. Hmm. So, yeah, a, a, a copper bullet will probably put one of these down. I also think a regular bullet would probably do it. But <laughs> That's, I was really right about to say that when you when, brought that up. When, when the Birmingham monster invasion comes up and they get sick of our, uh, our Birmingham? stuff. Birmingham? Oh, sorry. <laughs> You got Alabama on the mind right now. No, the Bremerton. Bremerton. When, when they have their uprising, they come to slay all of us landwalkers. <laughs> if regular bullets aren't doing it, try copper. Maybe that'll do it. <laughs> anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was so much fun to talk about this episode. Um, and keep coming at us with these like really oh, obscure ones. We're... Oh, absolutely. We'll take a swing at like, a lot of suggestions that you guys put down there. If you guys have been listening to this podcast, we talk about everything from UFOs cryptids strange phenomenon secret government projects we i mean we we will we talk about it all uh on and this I, podcast i'm liking this vein that we've struck of doing the really out there Weird stuff. stuff which is fine um definitely to help us to do that we need your guys suggestions so uh, definitely feel free to make sure you put those comments below and let us know what you guys think about the the Bremerton monstrosity what do you guys think that it could be uh was there anything in the conversation that you guys think that we missed have you guys seen anything similar to this or heard other stories um, also, don't forget to put in the comments below suggestions for our fan base. I want to bring that back up to you guys. Um, but yeah, I think this is coming to the end of our episode today. Uh, but uh, stick if you're a patron, stick around. We have some more uh, to talk about for a little bit today. I think in some of our patron content, our pillow talk, we're going to be talking about weirdness on the Ohio River. You know, we're some Ohio River natives, so we've got some pretty uh, fun, strange stuff to talk about for that. If you guys are interested in getting this content, make sure you guys go over to our Patreon and sign up so that you guys can get this exclusive Patreon content. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep... So, Marcus, have you ever noticed, like, when we talk about one thing that's involved with the ocean, we usually do it for a little bit? Yes, we do. I mean, I think we both have this fascination with the mysteries of the sea. Well, I think just a mis- the unknown is just, it's so tantalizing. That that drive of looking at something that's unexplainable and things like that. I think that's why deep sea stuff, space stuff, it's so fascinating to so many people because you just, you, you gotta know, you gotta try to figure it out. 
I don't know, there's something special about the ocean where I find it way more interesting than I do the space stuff. Uh, sure, I find the space stuff interesting, but the deep sea mysteries, anything that strikes me along a Lovecraftian sort of vibe. Oh man, we could have talked about this thing being a deep one, spawning because the time was right. It would be probably one of the crappiest deep ones ever, because all I did was look at her. It didn't make her go crazy, didn't, she didn't die, thankfully. You know, Maybe or stuff like that. She didn't elaborate on the nightmares she had. Maybe she was having nightmares of sunken Ralia. Dude, if she had seen some sort of like thing about Ralia or Deep One, dude, she would have like gone off the way, gone off the deep end like a lot more. Hey, the the Lovecrafting crazy is good at being secret crazy and creeping up on you. Maybe she's. I I believe she's still alive. Maybe she's like. Hosting some sort of cult of the Deep Ones, worshiping the great horrible crustaceans scuttling along the ocean. Dude, she'd be like. 80, 90 years old. Or she's been granted she, longer life. Or she's or she's leading some sort of Lovecraftian <laughs> cult from the nursing home, if she's still alive. Or that. I will take that as viable. Okay, so I hear you got some stuff you dredged up from the Ohio River for us to talk about. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, even though we're like here in the midwest and and we're done with it however we still get our own weird like like aquatic cryptids and just weird stuff like that we get you'd be surprised anybody that lives on the ohio like anybody that doesn't live on the ohio river you would be surprised how often we just get these weird squid phenomenon octopi phenomenon weird giant fish phenomenon that comes out from the ohio river so i thought it'd be really cool to talk about some of this stuff that we know is creeping probably on the Ohio River, or maybe just Tornado Alley in general, just this part of the this part of the country. Oh yeah, you'd be surprised on how often we hear rumors about 12, 13, 14, 15 foot long catfish, and the conclusion by any local that's here, they usually go, yeah, but I bet there's bigger down there. Oh yeah, like uh, deep sea uh, rescue people, uh, like deep sea, deep sea search, deep sea, like deep river uh, search people that are here. Uh, in our area talked about seeing like just giant catfish. I remember one account of a guy talking about that he saw a catfish or something.